It was a dark and stormy night. No, I mean, it really was. Like, this is history here. So it was a dark and stormy night, and an ominous rumor made its way to Gestapo headquarters in the city of Prague, Czechoslovakia. There were Jews, said the rumor. There were Jews hiding in the attic of the Altneuschul, the medieval old new synagogue in the Jewish quarter of Prague. With a screech of tires, a squad of German soldiers pulled up in front of the synagogue and surrounded all the exits. Perhaps two, or maybe it was just one, soldier was sent up into the attic. The squad expected to hear the Jews being dragged outside any moment now, but instead heard only silence. The two Nazis were never seen nor heard from again. It turns out that there were no Jews hiding in the attic of the Altneuschule that night. And so the question is, who made those Nazis disappear? But perhaps the better question is, what made those soldiers disappear? If you have ever thought that Judaism is a little too rational, a little too focused on its human heroes, a little too obsessed with things like law and history, then this episode is for you. For here, as they say, here be monsters. Welcome back to Unsolved Jewish Mysteries. I'm Jason Harris. This is Jew I Don't Know. I would say to young people that we can do everyone our share to redeem the world. There's a common understanding that we all have from horror movies. You don't explore a dark room in your underwear when you hear strange noises. You're just guaranteed to find trouble. By the same unwritten rule, you don't go into the attic of the Altenoyschule in Prague, the old new synagogue. I've been to that synagogue, and I did not go into the attic. And that is because, according to Jewish legend, living up there, okay, living is the wrong word, but hiding up in the attic is a mysterious creature we know as the golem. The Terminator would never stop. It would never leave him. It would always be there. And it would die to protect him. So that's a scene from Terminator 2. And whether or not director James Cameron realized it, the Terminator is a modern-day direct descendant of the Golem. It's almost like I'm saying the Terminator is Jewish. Like the Terminator, the Golem is a creature built from scratch, turned on and off at will, and sent wherever it's needed to ruthlessly and single-mindedly protect the Jewish people. Or, of course, John Connor. So what is the Golem? Where does it come from? What did it do? And for the mystery, whatever happened to it? Is it still sitting in the attic in Prague? And what is the username and password so I can use it for stuff? Because it does, in fact, have a username and password. It's hard to say when the golem originated, because it seems to come from deep in history, amongst the various cultures, Jewish and otherwise, in the ancient Near East. There's one reference to it in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Psalms, Psalm 139 specifically. In talking about Adam, the first man, the psalm says, Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. In which the word for unformed in Hebrew is golem. Another translation of the word might be raw or unfinished. As the sages began writing Talmudic commentaries in the Torah in the first few hundred years of the Common Era, 
They seem to associate golems with a kind of talisman or amulet in human form, usually made out of clay and endowed with special powers of foresight and knowledge, but also limited in what they could do. Like, golems couldn't talk. And they didn't really do anything. Like an amulet, spiritual ideas were projected onto and around them, but they themselves were inert. They were made with a special formula, usually involving mixing of clay and dust, and then turned on by reciting the correct sequence of Hebrew letters. With this username and password, the golem's creator had complete administrator rights, and could, with another combination of Hebrew, also unmake the golem. Return to dust is a phrase that frequently appears. In the city of Worms in medieval Germany, then called the Holy Roman Empire, a major center of Jewish life back then, there was a guy named Rabbi Eleazar ben Judah. He was a great Talmudic scholar who wrote extensively on the Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, really high-level esoteric stuff. He's attributed as the writer of a book from the early 1200s called The Book of the Angel Raziel, in which he revealed all sorts of Jewish magical secrets, including the formula for creating a golem and my grandmother's chicken soup. Rabbi Ben Judah's formula is the earliest description we have for how to create the golem from about 800 years ago. Now, to be on the safe side here, Jew, I don't know, I will not be giving out the exact formula from the book of Raziel. I don't want to be held liable for any mishaps. But basically, what you do is you purify yourself and then dress in all-white clothing. Then you hike up a mountain to find virgin dirt that has never been tilled, take some of that, and knead it into the shape of a human body. The next step is actually pretty straightforward. All you do is combine the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet with each other using a certain sequence. You will eventually end up with 221 combinations as specified in an even earlier mystical work, which was called the Book of Formation. Then you take the 221 combinations from the Book of Formation and in turn combine them with the letters of the name of God, which will produce certain kinds of sounds based on pronouncing the Hebrew letters in a certain order. I told you, like very straightforward. Hope you're taking notes. If you get the combination of sounds just right, you will breathe life into the lifeless form of the golem, awakening it. Finally, you flip the on switch by writing the Hebrew word emet on its forehead. Emet means truth, E-M-E-T. And when you want to turn the golem off to return it to dust, you take away that first letter from emet, the letter E, leaving the word met, which means death. From truth to death. Rabbi Eleazar ben Judah was a major scholar of this era and left lasting works on Jewish ethics, mysticism, philosophy, even scientific knowledge. Unfortunately, with Worms being a major center of Jewish life, it drew a lot of one unwanted attention from the various crusades periodically launched across Europe. In the year 1196, crusaders invaded the Jewish community of Worms and murdered his wife and his two daughters. Although he was wounded in the fight, he lived on until the year 1238. Like me, Rabbi Eleazar thought that this information was too dangerous to put in the hands of the ordinary podcast listener. So he never revealed the name of God that you need to use in order to make all those combinations. Unfortunately, somebody narked. The name of God leaked back out, and by the 1500s, two famous golems emerged in Europe. In the 1570s, in the Polish city of Chelm, Rabbi Elijah Baal Shem, another great scholar of Kabbalah and mysticism, Rabbi Elijah was said to have created a golem to protect the local Jews. 
This golem had an axe or a club, and whenever a Jew was threatened by a peasant, the golem struck down the peasant, killing him. But the rabbi got freaked out when the golem grew too big, and he worried that it would end up destroying the world. So Rabbi Elijah scratched off the letter E from the golem's forehead, leaving the Hebrew word for death, and the golem crumbled into a pile of clay. Legend has it that on its way down, the golem permanently injured the rabbi. Rabbi Elijah scooped up the clay, brought it up to the attic of the synagogue, locked the door, threw away the key, and no one entered the attic ever again so as not to accidentally awaken the golem. The synagogue of Helm, which stood for hundreds of years, was destroyed by the Nazis, and all traces of the golem were gone. But the most famous story about the golem comes from Prague, and it sounds pretty similar, and it involves one of the most esteemed rabbis who ever lived. If you remember last week's episode on the Schneerson family of rabbis, this rabbi was one of their ancestors. His name was Rabbi Judah Lowe. Rabbi Lowe was born in the early 1500s to a distinguished family of Jewish scholars and rabbis, well known throughout the Holy Roman Empire. By the 1580s, he became the spiritual leader of the Jewish community in Prague. The Altneuschule, the old new synagogue where the golem is up in the attic, that was Rabbi Lowe's synagogue. He wrote extensively on Jewish philosophy and ethics and left a hugely influential body of work on Talmudic commentary on the Torah. He was also known as a master teacher, able to break down the complexities of Jewish philosophy in a way that people could more easily understand. Think of him as the essential bridge between the generation before him and the ones after. At a critical time in the Middle Ages, he ushered across the generations mountains of Jewish learning and teachings that are still with us today. And like everyone else in this story, Rabbi Judah Lowe was very focused on Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. He used Jewish mystical teachings to wear away at the more conservative notions of the surrounding Christian and Jewish societies. For instance, according to Rabbi Lowe, and remember this is the late 1500s, sex is good. It's not only the necessary foundation of family and society, it is also the manifestation of the divine will. Put that in your Tinder profile. Rabbi Lowe was influential not just within Prague's Jewish community, but in the wider world as well. Prague at this time was captivated by an exciting new field of scientific study, and Rabbi Lowe was all about it astronomy. He befriended Tycho Brahe and Johannes Kepler and didn't see any contradictions between his commitment to Jewish theology and advances in scientific understanding. As long, of course, as God retained the divine position. In 1592, Rabbi Lowe was the guest of honor at an unusual, historic, and highly symbolic meeting. The Holy Roman Emperor, Rudolf II, had the rabbi over for dinner. The emperor had an abiding interest in both the science as well as the more mystical apparitions, alchemy, the occult, mysticism, and magic. It seems the two had a natural bond over these shared interests. The dinner conversation was reportedly about the teachings of the Kabbalah, and from then on, it seems, Rabbi Lowe had access to and the sympathy of the royal court, which ensured a high level of protection for Prague's Jewish community. I wish I could have been at that dinner. How interesting. I wonder if it was kosher. The point of all this is that if there was ever anyone who knew how to make and use a golem, it was Rabbi Judalo. And according to Jewish legend, that's exactly what he did.
There are a lot of different stories about the golem in Prague, different legends that spring up over time, but the main thrust of it is this. The Jews of Prague were being persecuted by the Christians in the form of what was called the blood libel. The blood libel is the accusation that Jews murder Christian children in order to use their blood to make matzah on Passover. The Christians, it was said, went so far as to wrap up the bodies of children who had died, sneak into the Jewish section of town at night, and leave their bodies on the street to be found in the morning, thus providing a convenient excuse for violence and mayhem. Rabbi Lowe received a vision instructing him to make a human figure out of clay. He gathered mud from the riverbank, performed the Kabbalistic rituals to animate the form, and presto, we have a golem. The golem appeared as a man, but was able to move about invisibly. He stood watch over the Jewish section of Prague. Anytime he saw someone trying to smuggle a dead child in, the golem would capture him and turn him over to the authorities. When the police then declared that the Jews were innocent of the crime, Rabbi Lowe would perform the ritual in reverse order, turning off the golem. Rabbi Lowe activated the golem during the week, but as Shabbat is the day of rest for humans, animals, the Loch Ness Monster, and Bigfoot, it was also the day of rest for our golem. The good rabbi turned him off on Friday night and woke him up again when Shabbat ended on Saturday evening, which, to be honest, isn't too different than my weekends, I have to say. The problem was that, as with other golems, this golem was an unstable being. It grew powerful very quickly, and with its power can turn violent, destructive, and uncontrollable. Some stories have the golem becoming so strong that it began attacking people indiscriminately, Jews and non-Jews alike, rampaging through the streets of Prague and terrifying the city. Some stories have Rabbi Lowe wrestling with the golem in front of his synagogue, desperately trying to remove the letters of the name of God from its forehead in order to knock it out. He eventually succeeded and the golem shattered into pieces. But rather than destroying the pieces, Rabbi Lowe took them up to the attic of the synagogue for storage, in case the Jewish community ever needed to activate it again. Which apparently they did, that dark and stormy night during the Holocaust, when two Nazi soldiers vanished into thin air. The golem is still there today, and you can see on the outside wall the ladder that Rabbi Lowe used to get into the attic. A renovation of the synagogue in 1883 apparently failed to find the golem, but come on, I mean, we all know that was a cover-up. And yes, for those of you old enough to remember, the X-Files did once do an episode on the golem. As science advanced in the Middle Ages, the golem advanced accordingly. It reflected the new possibilities of knowledge and technology, but also the more ominous side that always accompanies leaps in innovation. If you find Amazon's Alexa to be super convenient in ordering laundry detergent, but you're also anxious about Alexa preying on your privacy, well, you and the Jews of Poland in the 1800s would totally get each other. Those Jews used golems as a servant around the house, but as Alexa soaks up more and more of your data with each passing day, so too did the golem grow bigger and stronger every day that it was animated. And so the Jews had to avail themselves of the variations of the on-off switches used by Rabbi Lowe and his predecessors. Now, these legends about Rabbi Lowe and the Golem of Prague weren't contemporary. In the huge volume of writing that he did, no mention was ever found of the Golem. No one else writing at the time mentioned Rabbi Lowe creating a Golem either. It seems that the stories about his magical powers and his Golem began circulating in Central Europe during the middle of the 19th century, as part of a creative movement around Jewish folklore. In 1909, a fleshed-out version of the legend appeared with the whole bit about the golem defending the Jews from the blood libel. 
Which is interesting, because the beginning of the 20th century coincides with heightened concerns about blood libels. Although blood libels had been around in the Middle Ages, they really took off in the 1800s. They were always followed by wanton murder and destruction against local Jewish communities. The infamous Kishinev pogrom in 1903, which had a huge impact on the Zionist movement from episode 25, it had a blood libel at its center. So it's not surprising that the Jews, feeling helpless in the face of persecution at this time, would popularize a folktale about a mystical being, a Frankenstein or a Terminator, that can be brought forth from the past to protect them. So at the end of the day, what exactly is the golem? Well, the simple answer is that it's anything you want it to be. It's a symbolic character, a metaphor, an allegory. It could be used for good or evil, violence or peacemaking, for saving lives or for taking them, or for all of the above, all at once. Like Frankenstein and the Terminator, it's also a trope for hubris, for the arrogance of us lonely humans in thinking that we can easily control the levers of life, that we can assume for ourselves the powers that only the divine possesses. What we make out of clay and endow with obedience but also power can also turn away from us or even turn on us. Perhaps, maybe, we've learned that lesson by now. As tempting as it would be to reanimate the golem and set it loose, Perhaps we know to leave it in storage. Perhaps the answer to today's unsolved mystery of where the golem has gone is simply that it hasn't moved in 500 years. Each generation has chosen to leave the golem in its place in the attic of the Altenoi Shul in Prague. Rabbi Lowe and the Golem became legends not only in Jewish history, but in Czech history as well. A large statue of the rabbi can be found at the front of Prague City Hall. You'll find Golem art, books, restaurants, movies, plays, and pop culture references all over the place. The Golem is big in Czech. Rabbi Lowe himself is buried in Prague's Jewish community next to Old Town. His grave is mere meters away from his synagogue, the Altnoy Shul. And speaking of his old new synagogue, which has been standing in place now for around 800 years, renovations were done again on the building in 2014 and an Israeli film crew took the opportunity to shoot some footage inside the attic, looking for the golem. I mean, there's not enough shekels in all of Israel to get me to go inside the attic by myself, so I don't know who they sent in there to take photos, but somebody did. The crew claimed to have not found anything, but who believes that? The golem, as we've learned, can make itself invisible. So for next time, back to the ancient world to hunt for a lost Jewish treasure of exceptional importance to our history. We know where it was, we know who took it, we know where they took it, and then it disappeared. So what happened? Where is it today? There are a bunch of theories. I'll give you a hint if you promise not to spoil yourself by googling it. It has to do with Hanukkah. That's next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Lee Throat. <laughs> Ať ju ještě uvidíme, pokud je panun.